What a wonderful sound. Tonight's reading, Psalm 146 on the uh, service sheets. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day that their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. This is God's word. Well, good evening, and thank you, Shaq, for uh, reading to us. It's great to be uh, picking up in the Psalms again. But before we get stuck into uh, Psalm 146, uh, probably can flick the slide, uh, a couple of points to get our bearings. First, a temperature check, uh, not a physical uh, heat check, but how are you feeling this evening, physically, mentally, and spiritually? Well, if you're... Like me, though August has arrived, summer is not fully here, is it? Uh, I'm a bit tired of the restrictions still uh, continuing, and it's difficult to see uh, which way it's all going, when, for me at least, I might be travelling with work again. Uh, You may be bowed down or burdened by work uh, or suffering loss or lonely, despite the restrictions having eased a bit. Uh, Or maybe... You've been on holiday, you've managed to get some R&R, and you've been to the spiritual mountaintop, but you're now back, uh, and maybe you're in the valley. Or if you're not in the valley yet, you know it's coming. All rather melancholic, isn't it? But that's life, isn't it? And then you get to church, or you join the live stream, and you see, praise the Lord. And maybe it's the last thing that you feel like doing uh, today, or any day. So how are we going to bring ourselves to praise? And not just to say or to sing empty words, but with all our soul and our whole being praising God. And not just tonight, but tomorrow. Uh, It's Monday, by the way, for those who've forgotten and enjoying the weekend. And every day this week, how are we going to do that? That's the question tonight. Well, the good news is that Psalm 146 will help us with our personal praise life. Secondly, this, as Kevin mentioned, is the first of a five-part series in the Psalms, 146 to 150, known as the Endless Alleluias. And Alleluia is from two Hebrew words, Hillel, meaning to praise, and Yah, the shortened form of Yahweh, the Lord. So the NIV translates Hallelujah as praise the Lord. And in these five Psalms, there's no 
particular attention drawn to personal needs of the psalmist. There's no particular petition. There's no real history of Israel. It's just praising the Lord. Everything is focused on God. And the five psalms together are a step-by-step progression of praise to the Lord, starting with Psalm 146, focused on personal praise and moving on, as we'll do over the next four weeks, to praise in the community, in the church, to praise in mission, to praise on heaven and earth, and in Psalm 150, all creation praises the Lord. So really, these psalms are for everyone on the journey of faith and the journey of life, and a key message in them being God is unchanging, as we've already heard this evening, though we may go through ups and downs of life, uh, the spiritual valleys and mountain tops, God is the same. And maybe you're on the journey of life this evening, whether you're here or tuned in, but not on the journey of faith yet. Keep listening, please, because there's a message for you too. God speaks through his word. Uh, But it's important for us all to listen. It's no accident that we're starting tonight that these series of psalms starts with praising the Lord personally. So let me pray before we start. Dear Father God, we know in our hearts and minds that you are worthy of praise. We've just sung of 10,000 reasons, but yet we struggle to praise you with the fervor and the faithfulness that brings glory and honor to your name. So we ask you, please, Lord, to open our eyes and our hearts to your word tonight and to change us by your spirit so that we overflow with praise, we pray. Amen. So it'll come up uh, on the screen to Psalm 146 or in your service sheets. And let's begin with the psalmist's call in verses 1 and 2 to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. A general call in verse 1 to praise the Lord, to sing and shout, hallelujah. And then immediately the writer makes it deeply personal. Praise the Lord, my soul. Recognition that the Lord should be praised, not just in our hearts and our minds, but from our very soul and spiritual being, our whole person, the whole you and the whole me, which, by the way, includes all that we do and all that we say. And then in verse 2, reinforced quite emphatically that this is not a one-off. This is not an occasional call or intention to praise or a spiritual high, but it's a continuous and sustained praise for our whole lives as long as we live. And in Revelation chapter 19 points us to the fact that this praise will be sustained in heaven too. Uh, Four times in chapter 19, the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting hallelujah, along with a clear command to praise God. And we'll come back to that later. But for now, what is it that drives us and drives in us such deep and satisfying praise today? What sustains it so that we can sing and praise God as long as we live. And clearly, the writer believes there is something. I will praise in the beginning of verse 2. I will sing in the second stanza of verse 2. And though he didn't have the book of Revelation, there's a ring of eternity about those words, don't you think? So how then do we start and how do we sustain praise? Well, here's a few ideas. You could try uh, for yourself, but like my... Good intentions to lose a bit of weight this summer, like so many of our 
New Year resolutions, we're prone to fail to give up, aren't we, before we've got very far. So that probably won't work. Maybe I could urge you all to keep praising God, but that would be hypocritical. Uh, Why would you listen to me? This psalm and this teaching is for me too. Or maybe we should try and help each other. Maybe we should urge each other on, but that might result in point scoring or fault-finding and risk-creating divisions between us. No, if we did that, I think we'd be missing two things. One is the point of praise, and two, we'd be missing the Lord in the process, which is the big point of Psalm 146. If you've got a problem with your praise life, look to God and praise the Lord. He is the object of our praise and inspires it. And if you want a New Testament reference, remember Jesus' words to Thomas in John chapter 14, also referencing the journey of faith and a life following Jesus and knowing God. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well, and from now on, you, know, you do know him and have seen him. So then when we look at Jesus, we see the Lord. And when we look at his life, we see that in the, in the Gospels, we see that he praised and glorified God with every word and with every action and with all his soul through, through suffering and rejection, even to the point of death. And he could have opted out of all that, but he kept going. So we can be sure that Jesus leads the praise, which gives us confidence if we're trusting in him, and confidence that we can follow his lead and follow him in praising Father God. The Old Testament gives us the same confidence, and the rest of Psalm 146 especially does that, which we'll look at now in two parts. First, in verses 3 to 6, praise the Lord for God is great. Before we get to that, though, the psalmist has a warning for us in verses 3 to 4. The psalmist knows our default setting is sin, and we like to trust ourselves, and if not ourselves, in others. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground on that very day. Their plans come to nothing. And I was preparing this. I was thinking maybe I'm like that. Not putting my trust in princes. Well, not William and Harry anyway. But maybe for my future, I'm trusting in my job. I'm trusting in my work colleagues or my bosses or my family or my home or the church. Things around me, the things around us on which we build our security and comfort. But the psalmist reminds us, and himself too, not to put our trust in princes. Why not? Because they cannot save. And the psalmist is acutely aware of his own fallibility and sin, and maybe you are too, and it's not just the valleys around us, is it? But it's the sin within us. And yet, how often do we plan and gear our hopes and dreams for the future around people, whether it's political leaders or our bosses at work or pastors even? Why do we trust and put our trust in mere human beings who cannot save? The psalm challenges us. And the proof that they cannot 
save is in verse 4. They will die and their plans will turn to dust with them and not just princes, anyone or anything that we follow or idolise. And what's more, we don't have to wait until they die to know that. They're already fallen and decaying like us. So it's not just in death, but in life too that the princes and the celebrities that we're attracted to follow will let us down. They just can't be relied on. Sometimes, yeah, they'll succeed, but often failing. A gold medal for Tim Daly after years of dashed expectations and disappointments. But a donut this year for Dina Asher-Smith, who we'd all hoped in until it turned out that she was injured. You'll have your own personal examples. And I've had some painful reminders this week as I prepared work colleagues and friends who I thought I could depend on but couldn't. And we've heard in recent months too, celebrity pastors and ordinary pastors going off track. Yes, be grateful for them and honour them in their roles and responsibilities, but don't trust for your future in princes. And in case you're wondering, that goes for me too. Sometimes I'm fond of saying I'm dependable but not always reliable. And it's true that I'm not always reliable, but it's not true that I'm dependable either. And if you're waiting for a gift aid letter or a note for the news or a phone call or an invite to lunch or to meet up, you'll know that. So don't put your trust for your future in me either. I can't do it, and my plans will fail too. Sorry, Joe. Who then can we trust? Well, the psalmist points us back to the one in whom we can trust, the Lord. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. The psalmist praises God because he is great, and that's his character. Great because he's the God of Jacob who rescues and saves Israel. Great because he's the Lord our God. We can know his help and hope personally. He's the Lord our God. Great because he's the maker of heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. He's been there from the beginning and before the beginning. And great because he is faithful forever. One we can trust and depend on for the future. And we know him as Jesus. Only he can save. Only the Lord is good and is faithful forever. So let's praise the Lord for that. And moving on to verses 7 to 9. Praise the Lord, for God is good. Look at how the psalmist roots his praise in God's character in these three verses through what the Lord does. Nine aspects of his character, and seven of those nine are blessings to those going through tough times. He upholds, he feeds, and the Lord sets free in verse 7. The Lord gives sight and he lifts up in verse 8. The Lord watches over and he sustains in verse 9. The Lord, our Lord, is compassionate. He makes it his business to help the oppressed, the hungry, and the trapped. Those of us who are stumbling as in darkness or who are weighed down, who are strangers or orphaned or estranged. He comforts and restores us and all those who feel like we do, whatever might be our situation and whatever we're going through. Think back to the temperature test we took at the beginning and the Lord will help us through all of those things and daily we can remind ourselves of the Lord's compassion and lean on the Lord through every trial 
and in every valley. But did you spot the two other characters, characteristics of the Lord as we raced through these verses? The group in verse 8, which doesn't at first sight seem to need help, the righteous whom God loves. Who is that? As it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, there is no one righteous, not even one. Except there was and is one, Jesus, who knew all of these sufferings, but remained faithful and obedient to his Father God. Even when none believed in him and all deserted him, yet he continued to praise God, even unto the cross. Let me read from John chapter 12. Jesus speaking, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. In his life, too, Jesus showed us what blessings flow from righteousness. We know he fed the hungry, he healed the blind, he welcomed the strangers and the outcasts, reaching out to those who feel like we do, inviting us to trust in him, taking our sin and our failings on himself and clothing us with his righteousness. So it is we who are the righteous whom God loves through our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus. That's why we're blessed if our help and our hope is in the Lord our God. This is God's character and we can trust in him like no earthly prince. God is king of all creation and it's all here in this psalm and verse 6 again. He remains faithful forever and that's why we can praise the Lord even in the toughest of times. And one more point, though, just to make about God's character from these verses, an echo of the warning in verses 3 to 4. For those trusting in princes or themselves for the future, there's consequences. Our God is just. He doesn't just let, he doesn't let the oppressors in whatever form that is just uh, off the hook. See in verse 9. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. So if we put those two things together, the Lord loves the righteous in verse 8, but in verse 9 he frustrates the ways of the wicked. And it's not just good enough then not to trust in princes. We must hope in the Lord to receive and to remain in his righteousness. And if we're not doing that, we'll be counted with the wicked and we'll be judged accordingly. So standing Back then, for a minute, I think it's clear now that what Psalm 146 is speaking of is the gospel, the good news that you and I can trust in Jesus to save and to know his righteousness and his blessings so that we're able to follow him and to join him in praising Father God and honouring his name in our lives. And before we reflect on what God might be saying uh, to you, to me, this evening, then let's just finish with verse 10. In case we were in any doubt, the psalmist concludes Psalm 146 by acknowledging that the Lord reigns. He is in supreme control and his reign will never end. And that this message and this truth is for the whole of Israel and for all of God's elect, which we'll learn more of next week in Psalm 147. So do come back for that. And at this, the psalmist praises the Lord again, along with all the faithful through the generations since then. As we learned in Hebrews, such a great cloud of witnesses, that is. 
And as we know too, more than that even, Jesus himself is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for those who are trusting in him whom he has made righteous. And so in him, we know that God is great and that God is good, worthy of our praise. And not just today, not just this evening, but for all our lives as we follow him. And as our great shepherds lead us, so let's stop bleating, shouldn't we, about all our troubles, and let's start praising him as the Lord continues to build his church and as we look forward to praising our God in heaven. I'm just reading extracts, but you'll get the gist of Revelation chapter 19. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Alleluia. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. And again they shouted, Alleluia. Amen. Alleluia. Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Alleluia. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. So what is the Lord prompting you to consider an action from his word today? Maybe to work out if you're trusting princes for your future stop, trusting in them as the psalmist urges us. Maybe to put your trust in the Lord, perhaps for the first time. Why? Because he is great and he alone can save. Or maybe, as we sang earlier, to trust in his unchanging grace through every high and stormy gale, for he is good and will hold the righteous firmly in his grip. Or maybe to praise him and with your whole life more publicly, not just privately. So let's pray as we close, because God is great and God is good. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love and faithfulness, for showing us in your life what it is to trust and praise God through every trial. And in your death, for taking our sin and shame on yourself, exchanging it for your righteousness. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Hallelujah and Amen.